0: Hello, this is Daniel Davis, and you are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This week we are beginning Unit 20 with a doctrinal focus on God's love, and Session 1 in this new unit is titled, The Son Brings Eternal Life, which you probably notice is a reference to John 3.16. This session is a study on Jesus' teaching in John 3. The Apostle John began his Gospel helping his readers understand that Jesus is God, that he was preexistent before creation, and that he was active in creation. John, the gospel writer, continued his narrative with another John, John the Baptist, and his pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God. He then moved to the beginning of Jesus' ministry as he gathered disciples. We looked at parts of these narrative developments in the first unit of this volume. In John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine and began to show people how He is able to transform things in His power for His glory. He then attended a Passover festival in Jerusalem and cleansed the temple of the sacrilege and greed going on there. His zeal for the Lord and His Father's house was unmatched. Chapter 3 then begins with one of the Pharisees, a man named Nicodemus, approaching Jesus at night. Nicodemus wanted to talk with Jesus about the signs Jesus was doing. Nicodemus was not yet aware that Jesus was performing signs so people could recognize that He came to earth so that those who believe in Him would escape condemnation and have eternal life. And Jesus' signs and teachings recorded in John's Gospel are still proclaiming the same thing today. In this session, we look at Jesus' evening interaction with Nicodemus in which we discover why exactly jesus came in point one we see that the son of god came so that people might experience new birth the introduction to this session includes a question about the group's understanding of the phrase born again we dive deeper into that idea in point one with the scripture text and the doctrinal statement on regeneration nicodemus begins his conversation with jesus with an acknowledgment of Jesus' significance and his connection with God. But then Jesus responds with a statement that seems to come out of left field. Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus interprets this statement as a need for another physical birth. But Jesus makes it clear that this is a spiritual thing. John made a reference to this in the opening of his gospel. In John 1, verses 12 and 13, He says, But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born, not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. New birth, regeneration, and being born again are three ways of saying the same thing. And this work in a person's life is the work of God alone. As the key doctrine statement says, this is the divine side of conversion, a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. So why the seemingly odd statement from Jesus in the first place? Probably because while Nicodemus initially praised Jesus, he had come at night, a time at which to not be seen by others, whether the Jews in general or other Pharisees. The Pharisees, as you will see from the sidebar on leader page 82, were an elite group of Jews who considered themselves the cream of the crop, children of God devoutly dedicated to the Lord and His law. They considered their status before the Lord as dependent upon and secured by their strict observance of the law and their religious purity. But Jesus threw that status out the window and replaced it with the truth. We cannot see the kingdom of God unless we are born again by the Spirit, and that is beyond our control. In point two, we see that the Son came so that people might have eternal life. Nicodemus' worldview has been rocked with the idea of a necessary new birth, and he can't wrap his mind around it. He's staggering and reeling, but Jesus doesn't let up because this teacher of Israel should understand the truth. And again, as John wrote in John 1.17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus follows up his jabs of truth with a few Old Testament allusions. One, he refers to himself as the Son of Man who ascends into heaven because he descended from heaven. This recalls Jesus' words to Nathanael at the end of John 1, and thus Jacob's dream of the stairway to heaven. Jesus is the connection, the mediator between heaven and earth, precisely because he is the one who descended from heaven to earth, and will return to the right hand of his Father in heaven the son of man reference also draws in the imagery of daniel 7:13-14 about one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven to approach the ancient of days and receive an everlasting kingdom and dominion over people from every people nation and language the second old testament allusion comes from numbers chapter 21 in which a bronze snake is lifted up on a pole by moses so that all who were bitten by lethal snakes as a consequence for their rebellion may be healed and live. What was the mechanism for their healing? Looking with desperate faith upon this snake lifted up in the wilderness. The healing for the Israelites was something outside of and beyond themselves. They could not accomplish it for themselves. Should an Israelite reject the word of the Lord to look, then he would justly succumb to the judgment of the venom coursing through his veins. But those who were bitten and heeded the word of the Lord to look upon the snake, they were healed. In the same way, Jesus said that He must be lifted up, so that sinners who are justly condemned to death for their sin may look upon Him in faith, believe, and so receive eternal life. And so, we come to John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, and not without cause. For in this one verse we have a declaration of the gospel. We don't get the details of first importance, as the Apostle Paul would put it, but we get the beautiful proclamation of God's motivation. For God loved the world. And He showed His love by giving His one and only Son. The Father sent the Son from heaven to earth so that Jesus might be lifted up on a cross and die the death we deserved in our place. And then, all who look upon Him in faith, believing and receiving Him, will not perish but instead have eternal life. What amazing and gracious good news. In point three, we see that the Son came so that people might escape condemnation. This passage extends our understanding of the gospel from John 3.16. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn, but to save. And the text makes it clear that condemnation wasn't the point of the incarnation because condemnation already existed on account of sin in the world. Jesus came to save his people from sin and death. And the mechanism that determines if one is saved or remains condemned is faith, believing in the name of the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. The necessity of personal faith is not antithetical to the necessity of the new birth that Jesus spoke of earlier. These are intertwined, two sides of the same coin. Everyone who believes in Jesus is assured of having been born again by the Holy Spirit. In what is probably a play off the nighttime meeting engineered by Nicodemus, Jesus highlights the distinction between light and dark. Sin and evil thrive in the dark. And the one who is marked by them avoids the light and hates the light. And again, recalling John's prologue in John 1, the Word who would become flesh is the light of men. He is the light of the world, as Jesus puts it in Matthew's Gospel. Whoever wants to remain in his sin declares by his actions that he loves the darkness and despises Jesus. But whoever would be saved comes to Jesus, the light, in faith. His evil deeds are exposed, but not so they can be condemned, but so that they can be forgiven, redeemed, and cast away. And in their place are good deeds, good works, that are the work of God in the lives of believers by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. We see that faith that saves will result in the overflow of good works brought about by the work of God in our lives. As we bring this podcast to a close, I'd like to remind you of a couple of things. One, the pages marked extra at the end of this and every session include additional commentary and potential illustrations and teaching options you may find helpful for explaining the meaning of the scriptures. And two, I want to make sure you are aware of the QR codes in your leader guide and the daily discipleship guide used by your group members. In the leader guide, The code is on the session introduction page. In the Daily Discipleship Guide, it is on the second page of the group time spread, in the top right-hand corner. When the QR code is scanned by a mobile device, such as a smartphone, you will be taken to a page on our website that has the scriptures available for reading in CSB, ESV, or KJV. Our hope is that this helps your group with ready access to the scripture passages and particularly for those who want to be in sync with the same translation. Now, in conclusion, Jesus taught that new birth, not religious activity, is how a person enters the kingdom of God and receives eternal life. New birth is given from the Father through faith in the Son as a work of the Holy Spirit. Because of God's love, we are no longer condemned by our sin, but we have been given eternal life in Christ. Because believers have been born again and have new life in Christ, we should live with eternity in view as we prioritize calling others to faith in Jesus and being born again. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.